and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, Volume 4, Issue 152. You can play along with Cane and Rinse, Volume 4. It's all out there now. The schedule is on the blog, as we always tell you, uh, and it's all up to date for the next 30 uh, issues, uh, the next five of which will include Gravity Rush. Then we're going to do one podcast about the Super Smash Brothers series, as it's about that time again. Then we return to Silent Hill for Silent Hill 2, after that, in the lead up to Christmas, it's Diddy Kong Racing. And following that one, Tony has the unenviable task of marshalling a podcast all about the Skylander series. It's unen- unenviable to me because I wouldn't know where to begin. But uh, we so have uh, we have guests who are steeped in Skylander's lore and, and toys. And broke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so as I say, head to canerince.com for the full schedule. Uh, of course, the blog with articles and features, links to our merchandise store where you can buy Cane and Rinse t-shirts, which are fine garments indeed. And also as well, we have uh, Facebook, Google Plus and YouTube channel, of course. And also, if you haven't heard it yet, uh, we have another podcast now, a sister podcast dedicated to video games and music. Um, featuring some of uh, the regular panellists, some other contributors and uh, requests from the community. Um, We had an iTunes number one in the video games podcast charts with Sound of Play, which we're very pleased about. Uh, And at the time of listening to this, uh, Sound of Play 1 and Sound of Play 2 will both be available to put in your ears. So please subscribe to this and that and rate and review them both on iTunes or elsewhere if you wish. Thank you very much. Now joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, it's Tony Atkins. Hello. Hello. And we've had to lose his middle name to keep our uh, non-explicit tag, but he is—he has been our Johnny Castlevania. He has been our Johnny Manhunt, and now he is our Johnny Wolfenstein. Andy Hamilton. Guten Tag. Or any of those names would be awesome. Mm. Johnny Johnny Manhunt, Johnny Wolfenstein. Yeah, yeah, I'll take them. I'll take them. Yeah. I mean, you always seem to call on me if you need to talk about games with violence in them. So, yeah. So here we are again. <laughs> You've made a name for yourself. Um, I, I've I've put a, an exclamation mark in brackets next to this issue's spoiler warning um, for a number of reasons. Uh, one, because the games we're talking about are between 22 and 33 years old. Uh, and also because if you don't know what happens in Wolfenstein... Um, well, there's no helping, really. Um, it's, <laughs> Can we just tell, tell them? It's a bit like what happened in the actual Second World War, 
uh, at this stage of the story anyway. Did it really though? But is Hitler really dead? Do we, do we <laughs> Mecca Hitler is is dead. Anyway, um, so yeah, there, there you go. That's uh, that spoiled that for you. But actually, um, some of the some of the games, uh, some of the stuff we're talking about is prequel stuff and whatever. But you really, this isn't a plot-driven podcast. Let's be honest. Before Hitler died. Before Hitler <laughs> died. Yes. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that. So this is one of the. Uh, we're going to start with the original Castle Wolfenstein. I think it's, this is one of those uh, subjects where uh, a lot of people say, "Oh, the first Wolfenstein, the first Wolfenstein," and you automatically think of Wolfenstein 3D. And and actually, going back, um, I'd never really twigged this before, but there's actually no official relationship between Castle Wolfenstein and Wolfenstein 3D. But we are starting with the first two Wolfenstein games. Um, Castle Wolfenstein was released for at, uh, first in 1981 for the Apple II computer. Now, this is an American game, and the Apple II computer was bigger over there, along with the Atari 400 series, 800 series, um, than, than they were in Europe, where obviously we was at this point, we were still on ZX81s. Um, and Spectrum and C64 were yet to come out in, in Europe. Um, this game did get ported to Atari and Commodore 64, and the, each version has its own uh, niceties and differences and uh, inferiorities and some color palettes indeed. You know, you think Digital Foundry gets sort of uh, anally retentive Sheesh. about the difference <laughs> then. The, these were, these were you know, the differences between games back in the 8-bit days were generally right in your face. You could, you know, games looked yeah, so a- different. A quick peruse around YouTube at the different versions, and they they wildly varied. Yeah, in, in that's how it was. <laughs> that's how it was. And there was actually there was like three years between um, the first version and, and all the conversions coming out. I think. Um, so this is by Muse Software, um, who were formed in 1978, and uh, the author of this game, Silas Warner. I can only assume at least one of his parents was a George Eliot fan. Uh, joined uh, as, as yes the first employee um silas warner who wrote both castle wolfenstein and beyond castle wolfenstein is sadly no longer with us uh, he was born in uh, 1949 and died in 2004 and there's a there's a an obituary uh, there's several obituaries but um he died in february 2004 and uh, gamespot among other sites you know who've, who've got a large archive reported that um interesting to look at his softography he went on to work with microprose who are obviously a huge deal um in the 80s for their simulations he worked on gunship and silent service fantastic games for the time and then he ended up working at um the virgin uh interactive studio mm-hmm. who made games like the terminator and mick and mac global gladiators and cool spot for um for for the mega drive so he obviously worked with dave perry not that one the big tall oh. scottish californian one <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah, so really fascinating career. Sadly, uh, died in his fifties, uh, I guess. Another game of his that I am aware of because my my Commodore sixty four owning friend showed it me back in back in that sort of era in the mid eighties. Space Taxi, which was again uh, as with this game, famous for its sampled speech. A taxi, it used to say, and uh, and wowed us um, as our televisions uttered synthesized voices. Now, um, so yeah, I think probably quite a few people who listen to this won't be that familiar with Castle Wolfenstein. Now, I was around at the time. Uh, I didn't have my own computer until several years after this, but the Atari version would have been around. But I don't remember ever seeing Castle Wolfenstein on cassette in a in a British game shop. And I used to spend all my time in British game shops, so I'm not sure it ever found its way over here. Never saw it. Never saw it. No. No, no I was one, so... 
Yeah. Yeah. Was there. Wasn't much happening. But no, I, I've seen the box art. I don't recall of it. So it's a it's a it's a skewed perspective game so we're kind of in the era here of um at the arcades thing we're pre-robotron we're we're just about post uh, berserk by stern and it shares it shares um the same sort of uh, perspective with that in that the, you're looking top down onto a map but the characters are side on for detail yeah. for obvious reasons so we hadn't yet got into the sort of the gauntlet way of doing things mm. with sort of just you know looking top down as their heads um, possible other inspirations may have been uh, there's an older game called Robots um, which is also known uh, elsewhere as Daleks or Zombies which takes a similar perspective puts you in a maze and so on um, but going back to this game as we've each tried to do without uh, we'll admit none of us have, have managed to finish these games um, because they're quite hard to play on emulation may, apart from anything else they use a lot of keys. This is not like going back to another mm. game from the era and just mm. it's just eight directions and fire. This is quite a sophisticated game for 1981, I'd say. Yeah, I, I was fascinated by how much it expected me to do off yeah. the bat. I mean, if you just put it into emulation, I mean, if you grab any SNES ROM and throw it into emulation, with the exception of a handful of games you can pick up what you're doing within seconds. And SNES games weren't known for having tutorials like you get these days. You yeah, know, that's like, right. You know, but you can... You, no, Axelay doesn't have a tutorial, but you know what you're doing within seconds. This is not a game that you can pick up and play. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to find out if this came in with a big instruction manual. Like Sadly not. Really? Sadly not. I, I found scans of this. Um, I found scans of the cassette inlay. And it's it's bigger than some of them were at the time. You know, I, I had a lot of these things back then, a lot of 8-bit cassettes. Um, and it's about four sides. So it's got a fold-out. But it really does, it's got like, you know, two pages of blurb and then two pages of keys. And that's it. <laughs> it's off you go. Wow. I mean, because yeah. Yeah, it, it's all keyboard-controlled, which um, yeah. back, I always found that a problem when I had a yes. C64 because I was very young. If it wasn't joystick, it wasn't going on. But, yeah, um, yeah I was... When I actually looked into what I should be doing, I mean, yeah. I, I was blown away. I mean, yeah. I don't. I know that you're not a show for hyperbole, but like this really is like proto Metal Gear levels of um, exactly of, of detail. exactly what I thought. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, we all love Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater because it takes all those little ideas that Metal Gear Solid One and Two had and starts to throw them into the game in really weird and interesting ways, but if you trace that kind of lineage back, I mean, at some point you've got to stumble across this Wolfenstein game Absolutely. where you can, you know, like, you can drink booze that you find lying around and yeah. the, the screen, uh, it says Hick, like you've been drinking on, yeah. on the screen. And um, you, you can't aim properly. And yeah. it, I mean that that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> I remember when they started doing that in yeah certain games. I can't I can't even yeah I can't even think which games I've I've seen it in first. I mean pe people remember GTA Four, but um get you know getting drunk in that and that that effect. But it's something that's been been in games for a while. But I certainly remember thinking, oh, this is a new idea in whatever whatever game I played it in, where you had you know like oh I'll keep ordering drinks at the bar and oh my god my character yeah. can't walk. But yeah, this this sort of has a, a prototype version of that. Mm. But like you can also even more weird though is is because of the the actual perspective of how you're looking at the character and the way it's displayed on screen. You know, first person views and stuff like that. That makes entire sense. But there's 
there's a lot of use your imagination to to see what the character is doing. Yeah, yeah. He has you know you can stick up people and they go ah, <laughs> they do. You always end up shooting them, but you can search them but and yeah. stuff like that. It's, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. Another thing as well is like you can find. Um, I mean, this is actually one of the key uh, components to solve the game is you've got to find um, an SS uniform. And mm-hmm. when you actually find the SS uniform and put it on, the enemies don't react to you in the way, same way. They actually, you know, you're, right. you're disguised. You've got a bloody great swastika on your chest as you're walking around them. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's, um, I mean, th- th- this is all stuff that's happened in Metal, in Metal Gear Solid games. And I mean, the reason why I'm so, like, surprised by this is because Castle Wolfenstein's a game that completely passed me by. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I played it this week when I found out <laughs> I was coming on this show, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, um, I, I mean, I didn't get a chance to experience a lot of this stuff myself because it was just so hard to play. Yeah. But when I started looking into it and like watching videos of people playing it through, I was like, "What? Are you seriously telling me that you have to like, you know, get searched by guards and stuff who shout common Z' at you?" And yeah, like, that's it. So many of these ideas cropped up. We we recently covered uh, Medal of Honor Allied Assault from two thousand and three um, on this podcast issue one four eight. And we did that because it's effectively Call of Duty Zero. But mm. in that, you get a uniform, you get Papieren to show to, you know, to, to German soldiers. Like these, you know, this was 22 years later. And, you know, I think, I, again, I remember at the time playing Allied Assault the first time and thinking, oh, cool, sophistication. It's not just all shoot, shoot, shoot. But actually, these ideas were around many in, you know, really oh, in the formative yeah, years. They were everywhere, actually, back around, you know, as I like to recall the cassette days. I think. Mean, a lot of those ideas were firmly there. I think it's stuff like you know, Syndicate and stuff like that. You know, really complex, deep layers. That's stuff. 12 years after this, though. Yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking, you know, of, of games... I think games were... I think the... What I'm trying to say, I guess, is people see... see you know, visually, if you look at this on the screen, you'd think it's, okay, well, what they managed to do was move, uh, you know, a almost a stick S, stick figure S man yeah. up the screen and got him to shoot somebody and probably wandered around the level. In fact, you know... Um, Wolfenstein 3D is almost just that. You know, you wander around levels and kill It's less people. sophisticated 3D, it's yeah. Without for sure. And yeah. there's actually, strange, looking on the internet, there's a lot of people that are really quite upset of where the, the direction of Wolfenstein yeah, absolutely, went. absolutely, yeah. From the two, two games. So when I first fired it up, I, I just assumed, okay, well, what they managed to do, as I've seen in many kind of early S games of that, is get a character, move around the screen, you'll see a bullet fly across the screen, hit the other soldier, they'll go down, and it's a bit of a maze puzzle, and actually, yeah. it's it's many many layers deeper than that. Um, you know, there's a lot of time based puzzles. You know, standing by doors and waiting for them to open. You know, chests that take forever. To, yeah, I mean that that mechanic is worth mentioning because it's, it's like there's absolutely no reason for it to be there, no. and and it and it would never it would it wouldn't have happened at any stage, kind of after yeah the mid 80s really when the second game came out when you go when you search a cupboard or a chest it just says this will take like up to about 4 minutes or something yeah, like 400 seconds or 300 seconds and it'll just and like it just goes just tick, tick 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 and, and i suppose the idea is if you have if you haven't cleared out the area successfully you could get caught but the the guards tend to patrol their their routes i mean they're not quite predictable but it, it's not as not as clear cut as um, say in that bit round the back of Hyrule Castle with Zelda, where you can just watch the pattern yeah. march and then go through it. But but they tend to stick roughly to their patrol. Oh, route. Very much so. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you can hold up guards once you've killed them. You search them for yeah keys you know, and items ammo. that they. So I I honestly expected it just to be a case of 
shoot people. As did I, which is why I suggested we go back and play it. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was my ignorance. And um, yeah, because it's really hard even to just control it because of things like um, the gun, you have to be pointing in any one of the eight. Uh, directions. It's really actually... hard to see on screen as well. Which yeah, directions they are. And you have to. There's one key to actually equip your gun, another key to actually aim it, and then another key to fire it. And it doesn't sound difficult, but you know, when you just can't, I've just come off the back of playing Wolfenstein New Order with, you know, which is in in many ways, if you'd given that to somebody who was playing this in 1981, it would have. I mean, it would have blown would have blown yeah. their minds, but the actual you know twin stick analog control in three D and and whatever it would have just yeah they wouldn't have known where to be- begin. But going backwards can be can be just as hard. So yeah, but so presumptions sometimes definitely put to one side because yeah, went in there expecting something entirely different and was it's it's weird saying I was floored by the complexity of it at the same time being utterly bewildered by how hard it was to control how you know how much you use your imagination it's a real kind of go back blast with you know blast from the past and this is i'd say i got into gaming you know in the very late 80s yeah so going you know back even before the you know the time when i you know, i was thinking yeah you know, i'm playing amistrad and stuff like that you know it wasn't onto the nez and so i i have an appreciation for this stuff but actually going back a whole generation further than the ones i was introduced to yeah. was was quite a shock to, to my system certainly now yeah. mm. but the thing is there are plenty of games from that era that you can still play quite simply oh, yeah. and, I, and I think what happened was you know this was a home computer game this was built for home computers with keyboards this you know you look at it and you think berserk or robotron or you know early 8-bit stuff i mean robotron i you know for me is still pretty much a perfect video game and still plays yeah. every bit as well as it did back then but all it is is twin stick shooter it is a twin stick shooter mm-hmm. and that is all your controls to go back to something with like eight nine no well more than that once you include the directions you know a dozen at least keyboard uh, inputs things things sudden quickly unravel, especially when you're working without a, a cassette inlay. You're you're working off scans for, on the internet for a different version of the game and whatever. So, uh, you know, I don't think I'll be recommending that people go back and play this because mm. I certainly struggled. But I I will be suggesting that people look up uh, the some of the the quick plays that I watched. Um, you can get through both this and the sequel beyond castle wolfenstein in around well around 10 or 12 minutes but some of those some of those um speed runs actually edit the video so when they're when they're when they're waiting for um uh for for uh you know for him to do his searching bit but you have to know your exact path this is a really i mean that's the other thing that shares with wolfenstein 3d is that there's no map you'd have this yeah. is this is old school you'd be making your own map on a, on graph paper yeah and it, it it randomly shuffled the rooms as well they would it, yeah. it was always the same rooms apparently but it would randomly yeah. shuffle them i think yeah. that's the great like thing about this um original wolfenstein is that it, it although it has all these amazing ideas it, it's actually a, it's quite sad that it's just Time hasn't been kind to it at all, like it, no. like a lot of games from this era. And it's a bit of a shame that it is just ever so slightly too clunky to kind of appreciate the ideas for yourself. Yeah. And, and let's face it, it's been forgotten. I'm sorry to say this, but I think by most people, it's been forgotten. Because yeah, yeah. Wolfenstein 3D has taken that mantle. Took the name, literally and, took the name. Yeah, and just and ran with it. I, mean, I was pretty much unaware of this earlier stuff and, until you know talking to Leon setting up the show, and we went. And he was like, "We need to do the ones before that," and I'm going. <laughs> The ones before that, mm. they, and that you know, I'm I'm okay omitting that. You know, my gaming knowledge there, there's always blanks in there, and I was like, oh god, there was 
Apple two <laughs> versions. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Let's let's do those. Well, it's interesting, it's interesting how similar this. Obviously, there are there is a relationship um, between this and Duke Nukem. Uh, there's a lot of similarities, but even right down to the fact that this series started with a couple of two D entries before it went into mm. into um, first person shooter realm. So, I mean, if we ever do Duke Nukem series, uh, obviously we'll be going through this again. Um, yes. Although the games in question aren't quite as elderly as this, but equally not quite as sophisticated. Um, Duke Nukem, the early Duke Nukem games probably share more in common with Commander Keen, mm. which which uh, is obviously relevant as well. God, it's all so incestuous, isn't it? It is. Well, that's <laughs> one of the fascinating things about looking back. Um, I, lo- yeah. I love the really low, uh, lo-fi um, sound and speech samples. Well. It's, it's so nostalgic. You can't to me. even. You just cannot tell what they're saying. Schweinhund. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it depends which version you're playing. The speech is clearer on some versions than others. The Commodore 64 speech is way clearer than the Atari 400-800 speech and stuff like that. Um, and it's a more colourful game as well. But um, that's not that's uh, not a reflection on the uh, quality of the computers. It's just that they the Atari tended to get lazy ports. Yeah. Um, so the, the the first one had the Castle Wolfenstein, much like Wolfenstein 3D. The plot of it was to escape. Castle Wolfenstein. Grab some plans on your way, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You make sure, mate. Grab some plans on the way, mate. It tells you. <laughs> yeah, to. screens of text from a from a yeah, from mate, an authentic yeah. Cockney bloke. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So that was kind of cool. But the second one had a much more interesting premise. Yeah. I think much more interesting. And um, if you, it has a lot of similar ideas to uh, what, what what was in uh, original Castle Wolfenstein, but it's a little bit easier to play. A little bit. Not much, a little. More, but a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one of the other things I just wanted to mention about the difficulty of playing this game is another thing that it does that makes absolutely no real video game sense or, or logical sense is you can't actually, you, you mustn't walk into anything. Like, oh, yeah. th- this is this is the weirdest thing. If you walk into anything, you, you, I mean, you're not taking damage as such, are you? But you're 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 just like the whole screen kind of shakes and right. reses out. Yeah. And that's a real, you know, it just makes it agonizing to play. Funnily enough, going back to Spear of Destiny, which is the, the last game we were talking about, playing the DOS version through Steam, which is the version that's on there, um, it has a slightly similar thing in that it's got the thing that every time you're in contact with a wall, it makes the bumping into a wall noise. So it's not like it's been smoothed off in, like it has on the Xbox 360 version. So as you're walking along, you're kind of going, <coughs> you know, not not quite in that Duke Nukem way, but making that constant um, noise against the wall. But uh, But again, it's just something... Having control taken away from you every few seconds if you're being clumsy in the first game is is just maddening. So yes, Beyond Castle Wolfenstein took three years, uh, seemingly, for for Silas Warner to to get round to making again same exactly the same system started on Apple II and then ported to DOS, Atari, 8-bit, and Commodore 64. Um, yeah, and Andy, so. What do you think? What struck you as being the sort of the improvements that those three years gave us? Um, well, when I was messing around with the emulation, I could control it with a joystick, so that made things yep. a little bit easier mm. uh, to control. Um, it was a lot harder initially because yep. the guards are ruthless in this one. Like yep. a screen in, you will be stopped by a Nazi officer. Who will demand to see paperwork immediately? Yeah. Yep. Um, one of the things they added for this one is that each floor has its own paperwork. 
Yeah, that's right. Sort Five lots of paperwork. Reminded me of those keys from Metal Gear Solid. You know, yeah. Ki- yeah. Again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you, basically, if you don't pre- if you don't present the correct paperwork, and the game doesn't say like, oh, by the way, this floor is this, so you should use this paperwork. You have to remember which piece of paperwork. And when the Nazi officer stops you, yeah. they don't wait. <laughs> You've got to quickly rifle through. Yeah, they like come here across the whole screen, yeah, isn't it? Come yeah. and see. You literally have to yeah. run towards them. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, you, you've got to quickly present the correct paperwork. Remember which one it is, and if you cr- present the correct one, you're fine to keep going around. Now, the premise of this one isn't just to shoot your way out of Castle no. Wolfenstein. It is uh, you've actually got to kill Hitler with a bomb in a briefcase and his cabinet. Oh yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's um, what's it? What's that film with Tom Cruise? In? Valkyrie. Yeah. It's that, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. Um, um, and as soon as you pick up the bomb, once you've found it, once you've located it, a countdown timer starts from yes. 999. And then you have to find your way to the outside of the, the cabinet war room. Um, it, so think of the scene, the, the, the many meme, many times memed scene in, in Downfall. Um, imagine actually turning up outside that room before he throws out most of the people mm. and leaving a bomb. Uh, and then the countdown timer on the bomb starts again. And then you've got 999 seconds to work your way back through this incredibly difficult uh, maze of, of yeah. yeah, just and, really hard to tell rooms apart and all yeah. that. Sort and of again, you have the choice of like, you know, you can shoot your way through. You can get the uniform again and be stealthy. Um, yeah. But also some of the extra stuff that they've put into this one, again, it's... It's, it's incredible. You can drag bodies around when you've taken out guards, and you can use them to like block entrances <laughs> and stuff. So you can actually like be strategic with what you're doing with them. Um, it, I mean, was I, I? I almost feel like we're doing it a bit of a disservice, but I feel that like if there was ever a discussion about stealth games, yeah, and sort yeah. of like their history, I mean, yeah. that, I, I really think that like. Dis- it wouldn't have been I, the obvious place to come to, would it? Yeah, but, I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't think a discussion of Wolfenstein the series is the place to go into the detail about these games because, as we've said, Wolfenstein took the name and kind of run with it and turned it into something mm. else that we sort of know and love to this day. Equally inspira- uh, you know, yeah. insp- influential. Very, very, yeah, very much so. It's, it's, <clears throat> the Wolfenstein name is a lot of weight behind when you think about it now. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah, but um, if, if there was ever a really in-depth discussion about stealth games, you know, going back through Metal Gear and Splinter Cell and Thief and stuff like that, I mean, totally. I, this is a very, very important title. Well, again, I consider myself a, a veteran and knowledgeable gamer, and yet the first time I remember, I, the first time I clearly remember dragging bodies around or being able to do something like that was Deus Ex, and that was yeah. uh, late nineties or yeah, no, was that ninety nine or two thousand? Anyway, so that was yeah, a long, long time after this, I'd not come across anything so sophisticated as that in between times and maybe there's reasons for that maybe because you know the success of more accessible arcade fair had kind of led us away from these you know you got these real crazy sort of experiments and games that asked a lot of the player back at this point because they you know nothing else had been made really you know we'd had space invaders obviously at this stage but actually the whole the massive arcade boom hadn't quite happened yet and there was there was countless times on on my amigas and amigas and amstrads and stuff Mm. where you you had no idea what you were doing absolutely no idea you just learned that i I wonder whether i'd have the patience now i didn't have the patience to continue playing these games to the very end so probably not but it it was always a process of discovery even 
big games like Star Wars, and I remember, you know, or the Alien game where you get mm. through that, that section going down. It like, took me forever because it was just kind of broken to do. What, what is interesting, though, is you listen to Andy talk about, um, you know, how this plays out. And in your mind, I can see people, if they haven't seen screenshots of this, in your mind, you're seeing something a lot grander mm. than what is actually on screen <laughs> because it sounds, you know, I guess you like to say, Leon, you, you kind of you go towards Deus Ex, you've got kind of Metal Gear sitting in, in the back of your head, those types of games that really, I'm not going to say it's just stick figures, but it's it's getting close to that yeah. level of, you know, this is just a, a template of a map on the screen. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you're moving around and you're dragging like one stick fingers, dragging another stick. It's more complex than that. But, you know, visually in your back of your mind when you're, you're talking about this, it sounds more complex or more grandiose visually than it actually is. Yeah, I get the feeling that, like, um, I mean, w- once I saw what they actually looked like, <laughs> and then, um, you know, again, we all sort of thought, like, oh, it's going to be, like, um, you know, one of those shooting games on the uh, Atari 2600 yeah. or something like that. And then, um, yeah, yeah. you know, once you re- read about, like, the actual level of depth in these games, uh, I, my stance on the graphics kind of changed a little bit. And um, uh, much like uh, you guys were saying about Silent Hill, I think um, it was a, a technical thing. That like they had so much going on in terms of um, the ideas about the little items that you could pick up, and you know having having to like rifle through enemies' possessions, and then you can strip them out, and you don't have to kill the guards after you've done this either. You no. can leave them wandering around. Um, mm. I think that it was just like something's got to give, and because there are games that came out in 1984 that look far better than this. Yeah, I was, yeah, gosh, they're yes. also yeah. way simpler. So like yeah. I think that yeah. might have been what it was. It was. It, I mean, there's no background. You're walking around in blackness. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I think it's by not by design, but it's by necessity that they had to like. <laughs> I mean, we'll never know. But um, no, I think that's that's certainly uh, especially an when element. you um, factor in it had um you know again more sound effects, it had more voice samples the second time round. Um, another thing that this one had as well, which was really cool, is uh, when you did pat down a guard uh, in the previous one, you didn't have to kill them, but if you did, you had to shoot them. And that makes noise. Whereas this yeah. one, you could actually—they gave you a dagger, so you could actually yeah. perform stealth kills. Well, it became more stealthy this game because the dagger actually replaces the grenades, doesn't it? So you've gone oh, from yeah, again, that makes sense. A, a, yeah, slightly less um, sort of stealthy type of experience, a more gung ho, you know, uh, inglorious bastards kind of situation to a to um yeah this this game which again you know stealth kills with a knife this is what i've been doing recently in god knows how many games you know yeah uh, so many things and yeah i think it, i think you're absolutely right i think its legacy has largely been um kind of just maybe just trumped really by by what happened with with the 3d games but thinking back uh, some games that it made me think of going back to these. Um, there was a game uh, for the, uh, the Eight Bit Machines in 1986, which was based on the idea of the Great Escape movie. Um, uh, yes, so, yes, yeah. I have this. Yeah, uh, Denton Designs made it for Ocean, and we'd gone into uh, th- this had moved into isometric force perspective, uh, you know, 2.5D, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's not the same, but it has again, it has this idea. This was this was more about um this had uh you had guards that had a routine and you had to kind of work out um you know your 
your escape plan based around their roll call, their exercise time and, and meals. You know, you had to be there for meal times and all this sort of thing. So that's sort of interesting. And I remember, do you remember Codemasters revisited that idea with was, POW a few years back? Yeah, I was about to say they did. And there was a, yeah, POW. And I think, wasn't there a great escape game as well that came out at the same time? Was there? Or, no, mm. I think it might have been, yeah, POW was basically it. But right. yeah, PS2. yeah, the PS2 yeah, yeah, one. That, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, we're thinking of the same thing. And um, Claude game, interesting idea. That's I what I was about to say. Is like it, um, it was, it was enjoyable, but it, it always felt like it was striving for something it never quite reached. Um, whereas I think that like these games are actually, they're, they're in in a way, they're actually a little bit more sophisticated with what they were doing. And there's yeah. there's so mm. there's so many stealth games I've played that. Um, that, yeah, I mean, th- these are supposed to be next-gen super games where you're sneaking around, and this has got way more to it. And that, that, I mean, it sort of shows that like a good idea is ultimately like well, that's, that's the that's thing. That's what those those games were. I think mean, yeah, there was a lot of good ideas, and that, you know, a lot you, a lot of people would argue that people get far too caught, or even you know, developers now get far too caught up in in the you know graphical prowess of stuff. Um, you know, and you look back at you know a lot of the phone stuff changed that, and arcade games have always been there. But yeah, this this was definitely at that time where well, you know, this was an idea, and it's simple enough to get the the you know an idea on the screen, and you know this is just what it's going to look like, and the idea is it's going to carry this stuff through. Yeah, it, um, I guess it's more just I, like I the do... time it came out though. It's just mm. that's the thing that gets me is like you you know we've already said how many games it predates. I mean, if you told me that this game existed, and, it, and even if it was on the NES. And someone's like, there's a game on the NES that does all the stuff that we've just talked about for the last half an hour. You would be like, okay, yeah, I accept that. That's a thing that could happen. But the fact that the first one of these came out in 1981, mm. I mean, mm. that's staggering. That predates me. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You yeah. didn't exist. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there, are, there were, as I say, again, just, you know, having been there at the time. I mean, I was playing, um, when I first got my first Atari 8-bit computer in, in the mid-80s, I was playing Star Raiders, which has a, a, which is an astonishing game that fits into 4K that sort of predates Elite, basically. But it's, um, it was, uh, yeah, 4K game, um, and, you know, you had, it was a first-person space thing where you you uh, warped between sections and you had multiple keys you had energy shields and you had to manage your your sort of um uh oh yeah i can't remember it, it, it was it was it was not as sophisticated as elite but it was again for 1979 it was insane and i you know i was still playing it well into the into the 80s and loving it um and another game that that crossed my mind with this, um, obviously, after, soon after um, the first Castle Wolfenstein, um, we did get Robotron at the arcades, and there was also uh, the game Dandy Dungeons, which kind of led into Atari making Gauntlet, possibly heavily inspired by Dandy Dungeons. I think there was a lawsuit, but I'm mm. not sure if they were successful. Um, and and from that, we got these games, which were kind of uh, perhaps hybrids of Wolfenstein and Gauntlet. So Into the Eagle's Nest was a 1986 game um this took more of the top down uh things was by pandora for mindscape and um but it had you very much in the same environment in a in a nazi occupied castle it had uh crates of art that you had to find um had locked doors that you had to find keys for and stuff like that so i think that was another another um another one that influenced yeah um 
I don't think the game actually was officially licensed, but um, that was, was back in the days when you could do that sort of thing. Or you could indeed just call your, your game Wolfenstein 3D, even though there was already <laughs> games called Wolfenstein. I, I, um, I do feel that like a lot of the stuff that this game does, that is clearly like really influential stuff. Um, I just don't think it actually influenced anyone. I just think that a lot of developers made it to that point just many, many years later because yeah. there's just no reading about it. Like, you, you know, there's mm-hmm. not, there's nothing to read. You, you look, you look up stuff, mm. you know, about games that have a, now I've seen it and played a bit of it myself. There's like a clear lineage you can trace back to this game. And just the only people who talk about it are, um, anyone involved in the Wolfenstein process. Well, yeah. it makes you wonder, actually, yeah. the other games that could be out there where people are shouting, though, clearly, in, before in 1980, such and such did it. You're like, really? Because, yeah. you know, I, this wouldn't have been the obvious place to go to, to see some of these mechanics exactly. on the forefront. So, yeah, so it's it's just this, I think it's, it's this, un- unfortunately, quite melancholy tale where I, f- I don't think this game did actually influence anyone. I just think that people made it to that point themselves. It was you just so right. ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I mean, we're, it's worth saying at this point that uh, we are going to be doing another three uh, Wolfenstein-related podcasts, and hopefully Andy will be back joining us for each of those. We're going to mm. be doing Return uh, Return to Castle Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein 2009, and uh, The New Order. Um, and I think maybe, yeah, I think exactly as you say, I think some of the developers of those games have gone backwards, because if, if they'd only been inspired by uh, Wolfenstein 3D, the game wouldn't have certain elements in it that... Mm that they now have um, yeah. and, and in the case of New Order it, it very much takes uh, it gives the player a lot of choice as regards to how they tackle sections whether it be stealth or whether it be you know guns blazing yeah. you've got a lot of, of, of freedom in that and certain yeah certain sections really made me think of it but as I say like we, we did cover when we did the Metal Gear series we did start with a uh, with a Metal Gear yeah. 1 and 2 podcast yes. and this game is basically Metal Gear One. I mean, it really is the the template, and it, it makes me wonder if you know if Kojima was familiar with with Wolfenstein. I mean, there, there's there, I've heard it said many times because you know we tend to, um, well, some of us, uh, me and myself included, tend to often think of the Japanese as being you know some of the most influential people in games design. But actually, there is there is a huge amount of Western influence on on some of their key games as well. And yeah. I've heard it said before that um, Metroid, I think, maybe came out after Sacred Armor of Antiriad, for instance. You know, this the idea that maybe somebody at Nintendo was actually on on top of some of the. You know, it could be. It could just be yeah. Yeah, like, the, as you say, it could be simultaneous. You know, great minds thinking alike, and the the the, the hardware allowing certain. Uh, evolutions at the same time but but you do wonder hmm. knowing how many developers do play games now I mean I, I think maybe that was less back then I think maybe I guess they were playing each other's games I just think yeah certainly in, in 81 I, I see the, you know, the people playing this and the people designing it are almost similar in, in that respect like the, the real core group of people who played the video who played video video games back then mm. it's not like now like you know Everybody seems to everybody games. Everybody, but it's it definitely you know, just playing them. It felt like yes, this was aimed at a core subset of people that played these games, and you know probably half of them were de- the, the people developing, even just doing it on their spare time in their bedrooms and stuff. Like it really felt felt like it was back 
not quite a ground zero, but you know, it's, it's going. Oh yeah, I there. mean, the bedroom coding thing went on well into the uh, into the eighties. Um, I think. I mean, it sounds like Muse were relatively um, kind of professional setup with you know a budget and employees and things like that. People actually going into developing the same model that Activision and, and Atari had in the seventies, but but certainly you know huge amounts of the eight bit classics from mm. you know the the cassette and disc days of the uh, of the eighties were written by people who would then pitch them, you know, send them into to a publisher and hopefully get them get them made so, so would you recommend people go back and play these it's it's been fascinating for me just to go back and mess around with them in kind of in, in, in context but uh, yeah, i wouldn't like, and it, like yeah. they're, they're important they're, clearly they're important but they are quite finickety to i'd to recommend to they listen to this play. podcast that's what i was yeah. about to say I, I, yeah <laughs> I, it's it's a bit of a big ass to ask anyone to play them if you really want to play them the second one holds up a Holds up a little bit better just because of the controls. Uh, the fact that it did support a joystick, so if you're emulating it, you can mm. mess around with that sort of stuff. But I think um, y- you're probably better off just becoming aware of them. And yeah, and I think like look at the YouTube's, you know, look at the few playthrough on YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just just read a lot about it, and then you sort of see how it plays out on YouTube because you can kind of mm. you you can get a bit of a, an idea of what it's going for there just Definitely. without a lot of the faff. But I think it's more just like this. This podcast, you know, I was I saw that we were going to talk about the early two. I I knew they existed. I'd never played them. I never even seen what they looked like, and um, it's it's been a bit of a bloody eye opener. Mm. Yeah, and, I, and I, I did not expect that at all. I couldn't ask listeners to do something that I, you know, ultimately couldn't bring myself to do, which was play <laughs> all the way through these. So so, but I I have also learned. I knew they existed, which is why I put them on the show. That mm. that that puts me ahead of some people. But actually, I I didn't know how complex and uh, mm. potentially influential, or possibly not influential, um, and sophisticated they were. But yeah, actually playing them is a, is a bit of a pain. That said, all those people on YouTube are doing it. So you know, there's. Also reading the YouTube comments under these videos of the discrepancies between modern gamers and people yeah. that have taken the time to actually record this stuff yeah. is is quite an eye-opener. <laughs> yeah, no, ble- really bless is. them for doing it. Be- bless people for actually playing these through, recording it and putting it up there because, you know, there's obviously there's a lot of talk, rightly so, about the preservation of of um, video games and that sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, some of these people will be playing them on emulation and that's fine. Some of them maybe have managed to hook it up and record the original hardware, but... Um, the fact that it's being done, even if even if you know only videos of certain games survive, that's better than nothing in my book. Moving on, then, uh, moving on, almost a decade. Um, I don't know exactly uh, what happened as regards to ID Software just deciding to make a game called Wolfenstein. <laughs> um, Was it that the 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 you know it, it could have been that the license had actually you know the copyright had actually lapsed, kind of thing? Because or did Muse go out of business? Um, I think they did actually. So there's some reason why there was nothing to stop uh, it just going, yeah, we'll call it Wolfenstein, <laughs> you know, we'll make a game. Yeah, that, uh, I, I believe that is pretty much what happened. They were just like, well, we liked it, so we want to do something about that. And, um, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more when we discuss the gameplay, but um, one of the reasons why they called it Wolfenstein is because yeah. it was meant to be a lot more similar to the games we've just been discussing. Really? Okay, that's interesting. Yes. So yeah, famously this is id Software. Um, they had, at this point, not done a huge amount of stuff. Commander Keen that we mentioned earlier was their main thing, I guess, at this point? That kind was... of. Um, what they'd been doing before this is they um, 
they were in the demo scene quite a lot, and they, there mm. was a, a magazine that they used to release games on. Um, I cannot remember the name of it at all. Um, it was like a sort of computer um, subscription-only magazine that um, people right. would like to sign up to and have it delivered yeah. to their offices. And it came with a cover disc, and they were making quite a few bits and pieces on that. And um, one of the things that they had made is a game which... I've totally forgot his name. Like, ah, Catacomb 3D. Right. And that was a really... Um, uh, they actually made one before that. It was like a tank game, like Tank 3D or something like that, where yeah. you were basically in a Wolfenstein-esque maze. Yeah. Sliding around in a tank with a crosshair on screen, shooting at <laughs> enemies. And that was the first uh, example of what, what was the Wolfenstein engine. Right. Uh, and then I believe Catacomb, uh, you had like, it was a bit more like Hexen actually, you had a hand in front of you and you could fire fireballs. Yeah, there were there were a few of those. I mean, this this is one of the other things that I, I wanted to cover, um, not in any sanctimonious way, but just the, this this game is so often cited as like the first first person shooter and it just, it just isn't, but it was probably the most important and influential step forward in the genre. But there were games going back to the early 70s that ran in first person, a space sim and maze war. Um, in 1982, I think, the year after the first Castle Wolfenstein, we had 3D Monster Maze on the, yes. um, on the, on the ZX81, which is, you know, it's different and you don't shoot, you run away, but, you know, it's, it's clearly, uh, it was clearly a step forward. Midi Maze, uh, also known as Faceball, was was an early sort of deathmatch concept. Um, and I suppose the one that I think may have been the most influential is this uh, Japanese-only NES game called Golgo 13, oh, Top Secret Episode. Yeah, it's based on yeah. a, a manga. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 I believe it's like the longest-running, still-running manga, is it? It's been around since the 60s, um, and it's, it's like been going unbroken. Um, the name relates to something to do with... Um, Christ being betrayed. Um, it's a very violent adult kind of manga, isn't it? Um, but this this game looks again looks really sophisticated for the NES era. It's got multi part sections. It's got some uh, some two D side scrolling bits. It's got some crosshair bits uh, where you you know simply use the D pad to control a crosshair. But most um, uh, relevant are these um, it's got 3D sections in the style of something like um, Dungeon Master or, or The Eye of the Beholder where it you know kind of slides forward click at a time in that sort of 3D first person way but I mean the environments look kind of like uh, Wolfenstein and I believe it has Hitler in it mm. this game I believe I believe you kill Cyborg Hitler at the end of Golgo 13 so so that was 1987. So that was, you know, five years before. Um, and it's entirely possible that people like Romero and Carmack were importing Japanese NES games, I think. <laughs> Quite possibly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what, what, what they were doing is, uh, yeah, they made a Hover Tank 3D is what it was called, um, which yeah. is an early version of this engine, and then Catacomb 3D, which, again, they released chapters of it on these, like, cover discs. Yeah. Um, they then decided that they were going to reboot Castle Wolfenstein using this engine, and uh, they mm. pitched it to Apogee, who uh, were their publishers at the time, yeah. uh, and they were big into the shareware, uh, which is yeah. something I'm sure we'll discuss separately in a minute. Apogee obviously went, "Yep, thumbs up." Yes, and yeah, the rest is history. They um, knocked hmm. out Castle Wolfenstein, but as I sort of alluded to earlier, um, they were actually going to make it a lot more similar to Castle Wolfenstein, 
Right. And um, during development, a lot of stuff like the ability to hide bodies and a more stealthy approach to the game <laughs> uh, was removed because Carmack, who was doing sort of the lion's share of all the coding, being the, the bloody genius that he is. Yes, genius coder. Yeah. Um, whenever Romero or anyone else uh, came to him saying like, oh, can you add this? Can you add this? Uh, he was just like, well, it's at the expense of the speed. It's at the expense. It's at the expense of the action. No. Yeah. Um. And this is actually something that um carried on through their relationship all the way up until Romero left the company. That he was always aiming. Romero was always aiming for something a little bit more RPG like. Daikatana. Uh, yeah. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> um. And like some of the original stuff for Quake was. It was basically an RPG. Uh. But yeah. um. Carmack tends to be a bit more about speed and uh like. Yeah. the quality of design and stuff and he won out I think one of the the few things that Romero managed to get and obviously other than the levels that he designed was um, uh, he managed to push for secret areas and got those right. in begrudgingly to um, <laughs> John Carmack so yeah it, it was Artistic it was going yeah it was going to be a lot more like the Castle Wolfenstein games but then well clearly during the uh, creative process the, the shooting, the running around, and the shooting of the Nazis was pretty fun. So that that yeah, one you out. Want, you wonder whether that was the right decision to win out in the end. Because I mean, yeah, more well, games have moved forward to that since. So <laughs> I don't know. Well, they've kind of come because uh, obviously this, yeah, this effectively is just a blaster. But there are there are there are certain subtleties to it which we'll yeah. get into. But but through first person shooters have now kind of it's it's funny isn't it they throughout the 90s or well okay for the next five years following this they were pretty much all shoot 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 and then goldeneye came along and added mission things that you had to do sometimes Mm. optional sometimes not and that sort of brought elements of stealth and thinking back into first person shooters um and then since then we've kind of had we've had various hybrids some games just Mm. go all out for you know balls to the wall massive mini guns just blasting everything um, and you even kind of got, and then we we got the kind of nostalgia wave with things like Serious Sam, where it was like some people didn't want these new sophisticated games where you had to actually, you know, put on a disguise or show your papers to anyone. You just want to shoot monsters, so you play Serious Sam, and though you know that series still gets still gets new releases every now and again. So yeah, um, I guess there even even within the first person shooter market, there there is now quite a lot of variety and a lot of people with with different tastes, but as we said, it's interesting, and we'll come to it in many months' time, but Wolfenstein The New Order seems to have a bit of everything mm. and actually manages that quite well, I think. You know, I think most of us enjoyed that game. So, um, yeah, it's interesting stuff. But um, this game uh, is... Uh, it's not really 3D, of course. It's, um, it's in the same pseudo-3D style as Doom in that you can never have an area that's on top of another area this is not a world built of polygons this is this is this is text this is a texture mapped kind of area um it's it's kind of like it's closer to mode 7 is it in some ways i'm not a technical person yeah but. kind of it uses um it sort of draws uh, flat panels depending on like the perspective that you're looking at or something mm, I'm, yeah. i mean i'm not john carmack i can't no. <laughs> i can't build a spaceship but yeah i know that it's using a lot of tricks to make it appear that you're walking around in free occasionally you see through them don't you yes occasionally you get yeah, the odd yeah. thing that really uh, yep yeah, okay that's not they didn't have not. enough because now you can you know put mesh mesh stuff in behind so you don't get these gaps and you still see it mm. in some games and it's like oh, oh clipping you know whatever but um but back then they couldn't spare you know they couldn't I mean, well, 
if apart from anything it wasn't built of polygons i don't think in the same way yeah. but but you couldn't spare the 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 engine power to like have extra stuff just to you know just to make it look uh, well the seams yeah. yeah yeah exactly um yeah and as you said andy this was released um on shareware as was doom originally of course um if we ever do the doom series we'll talk about that um so you could you could get the first third of the game for free yes uh, and it was uh, the the idea was that you would freely distribute it far and wide as possible. Mm-hmm. It's not a million miles away from how PS Plus works now, actually, in the sense that um, it, rather than DLC, which is what they want you to buy now, back then it was the rest of the game. Yeah, um, um, yeah. it worked as well. So yeah. the, these games that I've mentioned um, before, the Hover Tank 3D and Catacombs, they had, well, Catacombs definitely had uh, extra chapters to it. And this was released with this uh, magazine freely. Um, you could get this disc, and uh, again, if you wanted to play more chapters, you paid for it. But it wasn't a business model that was doing Apogee a massive amount of numbers. Right. Wolfenstein changed that a bit. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It, uh, do you know any figures? I don't. I, I, have, I don't have figures. I just know it basically popularized shareware, shareware as a viable means of distributing <laughs> your game in the sort of early yeah. 90s. Um, yeah. yeah it, it, I, mean, I mean, a lot of that is down to the fact that regardless of what you sort of think about the game looking back at it now I mean at the time there was nothing like Wolfenstein and, no um, in, you know and uh, I think uh, it, 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 the quality of the game was enough to sort of make people go yeah I'm going to pony up for the rest of this yeah I think it. like I didn't get to play this at the time um, my first sort of real well I was I was an Amiga owner, so this this game did come to Amiga eventually, um, as did Quake. You know, you needed mm. a, a more powerful machine, and and but there were people doing this. But I was of the I had an Amiga twelve hundred, so I was making do with things like Gloom, which were you know kind of basically passable, but not you know nothing like what you could do on a PC at this point, first person shooters. So I had to really wait until I got my PS one, and I got Doom with it, and I absolutely loved it. I I played mm. the heck out of that version of Doom. And, um, you know, I never look back in terms of first person shooters, but, but Wolfenstein 3D, you know, I was aware it wasn't the first, first person game because I'd already played a ton at this point. I was, I was 20 years old at this stage. Um, but I could see that it was, it was doing something that made first person fast and immediate. And that was the key thing because up to this point, playing games like, they were either wireframe games <clears throat> like Mercenary, um, which wasn't a shooter at all. Um, or it was uh, solid 3D stuff like the, in the free uh, Freescape engine was like the frame rate was literally sort of one yeah, or two. Yeah, it was almost like playing Riven or Mist, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it yeah. was almost a slideshow. Um, yeah. it's Wolfenstein was. Uh, I mean, I first played it at a friend's house. I never had a PC until much later in life, uh, yeah. and at the time it came out, I I had a Commodore 64, and may- maybe I was maybe I just got my SNES. But then um, mm. the the 3D side of it didn't totally impress me because if I had my SNES, I got Starwing with my SNES. Yeah. Um, and on my Commodore 64, I had things like Moonfall and Elite and mm. um, a few, you know, wireframe 3D games. So I kind of knew what, and I, I read a lot of magazines and stuff. So I kind of knew what games were about, and I'd heard of Wolfenstein, but seeing it move, the mm. speed of it, and as a, mm. I mean, how old would I have been? You know, like, you know just probably in primary school still. Um, not just the speed of it, but um, 
you know, when you shoot your first Nazi dead. Yeah, he goes and flying he up goes, in the yeah, air. Sort and of thing, yeah, blood splatters out of his mouth. I mean, animation like click, 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 hits floor. Yeah, you know what I mean? But that's like, um, you know, when you stumble across a VHS of Robocop when you're five yeah. years old, whatever, and, you, <laughs> yeah. and it blows your mind. I mean, it had that to it as well. So it was, because again, I was used to playing, whenever a game was 3D, with the exception of Starwing, which I may not have even had, it, it didn't feel like. It didn't feel like this was the future, and in fact, the the two D games looked better. A lot well, Starwing going back to the first Starwing now is difficult because the frame rate again is is yeah. incredibly low. You know, I mean, Nintendo and Argonaut did what they could, but it, the fact is that it, especially the PAL version is really jerky and yeah. stiff. You know, it's difficult so, to play. So I, I'm coming this from an entirely different uh, yeah. angle because I I up until this week, in fact, I completed it last night. I had never played Wolfenstein 3D. Yeah. Wow. Um, always been one of those games which you know I understood the legacy, understood the importance. Um, I you know seen videos etc. I knew what it was, but never put the time in to play it. Mm. Um, so my only access, well, the only time with this is on the the three sixty re release they did. Yeah. Um, which the question I'm going to ask you, you, you mentioned the speed of the game, mm-hmm. um, and I watched a a speed run of it on on YouTube um, a couple of days ago. And they did it in 32 minutes. Yeah, I think the 360 version is locked. Um, I mean, it's 60 frames, but I don't think... Well, they they were... F- I, I mean, I couldn't even... My eyes weren't keeping up with how... They it might have been tool-assisted or modded. Yeah, quite possibly. So, you know, what is the 361? It just seems like, I would say, a normal walking pace yeah. speed. Yeah. Did you hold down the left trigger at all? If I say no, does uh, yeah, <laughs> does that make you run? Really? Yeah, uh, you'd you'd have saved yourself a lot of time. Yeah, and the running. <laughs> well, I don't know. I was going methodically through the rooms, killing just about everything. So <laughs> I, I run everywhere. Know. I yeah, run. The run in the game is a you know, it's a fair old pelt as well. But yeah. I mean, I didn't have that at the time because this was like some you know, God knows how old that two eight six or whatever it was computer that my mate's dad had for you know his business basically, but. By God, he had Wolfenstein on it. And I was going to say like, the pace that they get it was even yeah. when just moving around with the arrow keys, it it just felt so smooth. It felt like this was at a time where I was probably watching Bad Influence on TV and <laughs> see, and and seeing them put some poor kid in like a virtual reality helmet and yeah. cut about at like one frame an hour. Oh God, those things. Yeah, yeah. Well, those big red plastic tanks mm-hmm. that you have to put people into, and just mm. seeing that and going, wow. Because I didn't know any better, yeah. and um, but then I I see Wolfenstein, and I'm like, oh my god, it's real! You can get it, and um, <laughs> its it, legacy of games going forwards always became a bit of a um, discussion point between um, me and my friends because um, he he who had the PC, he went on to get Doom and Quake, and there was always this, well, your SNES can't do it, well, yeah. Your N64 it's still assist do today, don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and mm. uh, it was always a bit of a thing. And um, when I finally did get Wolfenstein, um, it was after I'd played Doom extensively uh, on the PC and I got the SNES version of Wolfenstein. And um, mm. yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit, I think. But <laughs> Yeah, we will, yeah. definitely. Yeah, because um, yeah, I was wondering about, um, as I say, I didn't play this at the time. I, I've, I must have played a level or something at some point, And obviously, I recently played the sort of mocked up level that's in uh, New Order. Um, but I, yeah, I skipped this at the time and, and uh, I don't remember 
playing it until I yeah I for this podcast I bought the Xbox Live Arcade version and the sequel on um, on Steam. Um, there are some yeah it's they're quite similar. But I was wondering at the time. Um, obviously, your experience would have depended on the power of your machine. Mm-hmm. So um, you certainly could have played a version. Uh, you know, you played well same game on a different PC. It may have not seemed nearly. You might have ended up playing it at to- the speed Tony played it, not knowing where the run button was. <laughs> Did you not think those part times were a little impossible, Tony? <laughs> I, I honestly, I wasn't playing like that. I I was very much methodically working. I, you know, I was also going for the achievements in the game. One of the achievements to go for is yeah, you got uh, them all. Play it, yeah, complete it on Don't Hurt Me or Harder. So yeah, that's the only one I didn't get. I went through the entire game on that you know a pretty high difficulty level. So there was no case of just run and gun that game. Probably would have been a very different game in, in that regards. But much I was faster. Very, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but. I tell you, I tell you what, you know, we we did the the Medal of Honor show, yes, um, you know, and I was very vocal with the fact that I that that game just does not hold up now. Yeah, um, many many issues, and you you could argue, well, yeah, it's it's trying many many different le- you know layers yeah. above what Wolfenstein 3D is is trying to achieve. But I had a phenomenal time playing Wolfenstein 3D. And, you know, big grin on my face playing through it the whole yeah. time. Um, I, I thought it was way more fun than Medal of Honor and yeah. I'd assault. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of it, the reasons for that is that actually it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't cheat. It doesn't stack the numbers up against you. Um, occasionally you can get in a situation where your ammo's starting to run a bit low. Mm. But, you know, you can, you can kill people and you can get some ammo back. And I found myself in a situation like that a few times. And it was fun to try to just push your way through the door a little bit, pick up some ammo, reload that gun, and just move forward again. And you know, those same scenarios happened in Medal of Honor, and they were just, you know, hair-pulling frustrations yeah. of, you know, anger. Yet in this, there was something about just the, the maybe it was the calming nature, the, you know, the music isn't, you know, I, I, I don't know, it just kind of happens in the background, doesn't the music? So, yeah, there's there's issues with this game, but I, I would say, you know, from the outset, it's just a really fun game to play i like i really enjoyed its purity its simplicity um and there are you know there are there are some problems i had with it are there are a couple of levels particularly in the add-on packs where you are actually required to find the secrets to progress now the secrets are in many cases completely non-signposted so let's let's talk about no map yeah okay let's go back no map so the levels are each they are they are effectively a 2d top-down maze like a hedge maze because there is no 3d as such you're never above you're never above another part um there is no map without a mod in the original wolfenstein 3d and and that carries through to many of the versions that you can buy now there were some versions including the snes version that did uh, put in a Doom style complete auto completing map. Is yeah, that right? auto mapper. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. it was in the Mac version as well because that's right. Well, that fills in the blanks. That's what yeah. the SNES one was based off. It was a it's quite right. It's quite sure. different. So it won't show you where experience. to go, but you've got a track of where you've been. Yes, but yes, I got okay. lost quite a lot um, because there are there are about. Eight different wall textures in the game, maybe ten. <laughs> um, you got the blue, you got the brick, you got the purple the occasionally. Color. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it can be, you know, you you really get used to certain kind of layouts of things repeating. And actually, it's one of those games where you end up a slight, somewhat in the developer's head, where you think, right, this 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 right angle will always lead to a door that's over here, and there might be a secret here. And do you know what I mean? That yeah. sort of mm-hmm. that sort of language that that gets built up over over time. But then sometimes levels will be thrown in that completely they talk a different language, and then you have no idea where you're supposed to be, and you end up walking the same sections umpteen times. 
which you played which the entirety of this me. game without a map? Yeah. Um, I used a walkthrough, uh, a YouTube walkthrough at some points um, for, for certain bits because I didn't, you know, I just didn't have the time or the inclination to try every wall panel until something opened. There's also a, an annoying delay on the on the 360 version when you when yeah, you interact with the wall panel. It sort of gives you a like a two second pause before you anything say happens. Annoying. I quite like that because you know that you've hit something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There it is because the everything's free. It's weird. It's like it's looking seconds. for an achievement or something, but you only get one the first time, so it seems it's weird. But it literally the game locks up, doesn't it? Whereas I've been playing um, Spear of Destiny on PC and it's instantaneous. You know. Yeah. <laughs> strange but so, um so i mean I, yeah. I, I hold my hands up and say i played the the first what do you call it level i guess or is it stages or levels which there's one is it floors and there's episodes okay yeah so i played chapters the first and floors. first floor i don't know the, the, the floor first is one, one level and okay, yeah. and a chapter is uh like nine floors isn't it okay yeah. Yeah, so i played the first chapter without a map um but thereafter i decided to just go online get and a get a map and on those maps you could see the you know the layout of where everything was, yeah. and what is fascinating by that though is that you realise quite how in- intricate the the game actually is. Yeah. The, the way it, it lays the different maze systems, how in fact if you don't find secret areas, sometimes the secret areas make up more of the map than the actual map yeah. that you, you're yep. running yeah. through. It's crazy the amount of stuff that's in there, and even down when you look in the top down view, there's some brilliant moments where you go, oh my god, the entire map is one great big swastika. And actually, yes. actually playing through the game, you you have no because you're just walking down corridors. You wouldn't know that, but actually pull up above it, and yeah, you, you're playing for a great big German swastika. Funny you should Nazi mention swastika. that. That was one of the um, one of the controversies with the game. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that that level caused a bit of a stir, and then um, that level also caused a stir when they revisited it in Doom a few years later. Yeah, um, yeah. same controversy, in fact. But um, yeah, I mean, talking about uh, the intricacies of the map, I mean. We really are dealing with some of the the very best. I mean, the the absolute pioneers in map creation mm. here. Um, I mean, obviously, the the better their tools got, the the tools that Carmack threw at these guys, the you know the better their levels got. I mean, it's it's no secret that you know the map design in Doom, with all the extra little twer- you know tweaks to the um, engine, it, you know, the, 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 there's levels in Wolfenstein that aren't memorable. There mm. are there are some very memorable lot, levels, yeah. but a lot of them all kind of like merge into one, but in Doom there are individual levels that are like, oh yeah, yeah. that level, and then that got even better again with Quake and um, so. But but this is the this is these guys cutting their teeth, and even with like the quite sim- simplistic tools comparatively to some of their later works, I mean you can still see that these guys have got an eye for design and an eye for keeping the game fun and ticking over above all else. I I think what surprised me as well is that. You know, one the pace of the game, even if I was just walking around. But it's um, in the way that you know, there's a there's a delay on those doors. So you open the doors, and the doors slide. And there's that. You know, it takes a second or two for them to come open. And you can use that both to your advantage, and sometimes it is to your disadvantage that they shut behind you, thinking, "Oh well, I can just strafe back out behind it." But you can you find yourself nipping through these doors, knowing the time limit, you know, popping out, people seeing you, you know they're going to funnel down to you because the AI isn't the greatest thing in the world, backing out between, behind those doors, waiting for the door to slide open because they've opened it, and then with your, you know, basically your, your what's it, minigun, mm. <laughs> um, just mowing people down. Mm. Um, and it's ne- and it's never not fun. And I, and I cannot get my head around why in, you know, um, Allied Assault, it, it was just tedious. 
Mm. Um, you know, I was on that show saying, you know, there's no lean. I, mean, I don't need lean in game, but in that one, it felt like it did. And just the constant, and I think maybe it was just the fact there was hundreds upon hundreds of enemies all gunning for you. And here, every room seemed like it was a manageable number. Yeah, it's just even because you, you were playing up. on the level up from me, and that, and that basically that difficulty level is all about the number of enemies. I think yeah. um, because the, the the way the damage model works in this game is is the same for both you and the enemies. In that, the closer you are, the more it hurts. Basically, mm. so you can you can get shot from farther away, but you'll you'll lose less health if someone shoots you right close up. You'll you can die even from two pistol shots, pretty much, um, and that works both ways. Uh, as far as I could ascertain it, um, and that that kind of has a dynamic in itself because then there's a strategy to, um, yeah, like going into a room and then you know backing out of there, and similarly, you know, this game kind of built this uh, very in a, in its own very simple way the template for first person shooter weapon tree from knife to pistol to machine gun to to chain gun, but in this in this game there's no there's no real reason to use the the weaker weapon if you've got the stronger one because it just fires faster. It's all about fire rate. So yeah. pistol fires the slowest and you have to tap it. Machine gun fires automatically a bit faster and then the chain gun, so- if you've got it, just... Burp. But that's so much fun. <laughs> but yeah, there's. I mean, that's an un- another interesting thing about this game. It has lives. Showing its age, it has a lives counter, um, which you start with three and you build up. This game is also a score attack and a time attack game, and that's one of the things I really like about it. At some points, you're almost playing Pac-Man, like for no good logical reason. The floors are dotted with uh, goblet, gold goblets, and treasure chests and stuff like this, and they make a very video gamey noise when you pick them up, and it's and it's and it's yeah. so satisfying to collect a room full of goblets, and your score's going up the whole time, and you've got a par time to fire uh, to battle against, and you've got this. You've got three percentages to play for as well. Kills, treasures, and secrets to find. So if you really want to max out this game, you can play it on these five, yeah. sort of, for five different things. Now, I was playing mainly for progression, but a few times, because I knew where the run button was, Tony, I was getting under the, like you, I was getting under par times. You say that, <laughs> but, um, you know, look at my leaderboards. Quite often I was above you because I was finding the treasures because uh, I was taking the car and my kill count. Oh, I must go, oh, okay, we got some score uh, attack yeah. stuff going so, on here. So my kill count was higher than yours, which mm. also then went towards that. So, like, it even, it's uh, quite often you're only about a, a minute ahead of me, so, you know, I didn't yeah, do yeah. that much, but... It's uh, that's yes, interesting. That stuff, that stuff is in there. Yeah, um, you know, Sonic Gnarly, who's done the the Silent Hill stuff. Uh, he was above us both because I think he must have known where the run button was, and he was doing. And he knows stuff, the game. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a game that you can learn, or you can play it. You know, you can play it for a quick blast of fun, or you can play it on a you know quite quote serious sort of level of of trying to really best it, learn it. So the lives thing, yeah. You, I mean, I don't know. It, I wouldn't play it using the lives so i i was playing it with the save so yeah. as i was when getting you die, you yeah, yeah. Back to just yeah. and i was keeping <laughs> both versions i'm keeping rolling saves as well because yeah. you might end up making a bit of progress but have only 20 percent health left and then what a great old-fashioned way to do yeah that's exactly the same thing that's how yeah. you did it it's funny you should mention pac-man in passing uh mm-hmm. you two both played the uh, xbox version I assume yep. recently of Wolf, yeah, yeah. Wolf's time, right? Yeah, yeah. So th- this is in this is in the game, but they've had to change it slightly because of obvious copyright infringements. But yeah. um, there is actually a secret <laughs> level in Wolfenstein Three. Every yeah, every chapter has one secret level. Yeah, and the, the I think it's chapter three, so it wasn't in the shareware one. Um, there is a secret level that literally puts you in the 
Pac-Man maze, level the one. Classic Pac-Man the classic Pac-Man maze. classic Pac-Man maze being chased by the four Pac-Man ghosts. Oh, that when, nice. when they hover over you, they drain your health and can kill you in a couple of seconds. So you've just got to leg it around the, and it's, it, if you look at the map from above, it is, it's the Pac-Man map. And, uh, yeah, awesome. the, the four ghosts chase you around. Um, in the Xbox 360 and PS3 ports of it, I believe they changed them to yeah, Hitler. That wasn't they changed yeah. them to Hitlers. <laughs> So yeah. if you found the secret level, you you were in um yeah you were in the Pac-Man maze being chased by four Hitlers, uh, which which is a, a recurring a nightmare, nightmare I have yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, um, and this game was also um apparently um again because I wasn't a PC person until uh, late nineties early two thousands I kind of missed out on all this um this game was responsible in a lot of ways for the mod scene so it would have been things like people doing that for off their own back I mean that that was obviously within the game but I've seen screenshots of like Batman Wolfenstein and and uh, you know aliens Wolfenstein and things like this so people could use this relatively accessible code not as much as they did with doom but to make their own levels but they could also go in and attack the graphics and remodel it and you know make stuff for themselves and that sort of helped kick off you know what is obviously now a massive pc mod scene i know the the 360 version obviously had a little bit of overhaul i don't think it was a huge amount from what i've seen versus you know stuff i've watched on youtube of the you know the more earlier stuff um but it, I think I'm surprised how good it actually looks. I was expecting something a little bit more. Really? <laughs> I, but, I, it, but it, you really don't think it looks, I mean, it, yeah, okay, it's it's got the blue walls, it's got those walls. It's but got I, I no textures saying, on the floor yeah. or ceiling. I expected it to be rougher than, than it actually was. Yeah. Certainly for, for the, what, the, what a lot of people would say, oh, it's the first one that introduced first person shooting, etc. You know, this made bar that, but you know, it's. I was expecting it to be rougher around the edges. Maybe yeah. it's just a 360 version. No, no, no. Has, has um, a lot of that stuff smoothed maybe out, smoothed but... out. I find um, going back to playing Wolfenstein 3D, it, it, it is a bit ugly now, but um, the actual mechanics going on behind it, they're still quite slick, just in yeah. terms of the, mm. the moving around and shooting and stuff. I mean, that's a, it's a testament to the architecture, isn't it, really? Yeah, but it's also, you know, thinking about it, the fact that you don't have to, you know, shoot up or down, it, it's just yeah. strafe but, from side to side. But then you don't, point have, weapon. you don't have to do that in Doom, but Doom, I still think, looks great today. Mm. Like, and it, mm. because, I don't know, I mean, they, they'd improve the engine, it's a obviously. Beast, yeah, and, um, you know, I mean, they, there are assets are better and stuff like that, but, but no, Wolfenstein, look, it looks fine. It's just that I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it looks good anymore. Yeah, it's a bit, yeah. it's a bit too sparse. I mean, and, you know, the enemies are very chunky as well. Yeah, I mean, you've got your guy, Blaskovitz, in the in the corner looking on. Making and, faces. Yeah, making faces. <laughs> a cool little touch of them is on the SNES one, he would look the direction he was being shot at. <laughs> but that wasn't in the PC one. Ah. Which is about as... Is that the first threat indicator on screen? <laughs> like, for a first-person <laughs> shooter game? Yeah. Um, yeah, they made a few um, tweaks. Uh, we won't go into the minutiae of every single version, but this game was ported widely and still is, still comes out on things. Um, the, the 360 and PS3 game came out about 
four or five years ago, I think, as a you know relatively you know it wasn't greeted with any great hullabaloo, but um, but it's uh, having played through the 360 version, I can say it's a fine version, especially playing it back to back with the PC uh, Spear of Destiny, which is actually kind of harder to play in some ways because they they did a neat job with the controls and yeah, as Tony says, it doesn't look hideous, you know, and that's that's pretty much. You can get it on Windows Mobile, you can get it on iOS. There was a 3DO version. There was a Game Boy Advance version. Anyone played that? No. Uh, I, um, I did actually play the Game Boy Advance version. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, 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 it wasn't. I think it came out after Doom as well on the Game Boy Advance. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. which killed it dead because Doom yeah. was alright. Um, it, it is it is worth mentioning a few things about the SNES one because yes, um, please, yes, yeah, I, th- I saw this. So, they they did some stuff. Didn't yeah. You? So I am um, I the first Wolfenstein I owned was the Super Nintendo one, and this was years later. And I don't again, I'd already put in quite a lot of time into Doom by this point so mm. um, but I, you know I played it in the past it was a game that I always wanted to have so I grabbed it and um, I was quite disappointed by what I ended up with um, so again the SNES release was post Doom so yes. they released they added a lot of extra stuff to it um, a couple of new weapons there was a rocket launcher for starters flamethrower um, a flamethrower yeah there was a flamethrower as well so they, there was extra ammo and stuff and you could get a backpack like Doom which allowed yep. you to overcharge your ammo. Um, it had a map. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, Excellent. But what they did is uh, it had um, a bunch of like extra, more simplified levels right. as well that weren't as good as the sort of ones I remember playing on the PC. I believe um, this they were from the Mac version, or the right. SNES stuff was ported to the Mac. But yeah, it was a slightly more simplified version of Wolfenstein. I remember finding it like really plain even then. Um, yeah, the SNES was, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, it, I mean it, it was struggled pu- with this stuff. Yeah, it? it was pushing it, running it, and I don't yeah. think the SNES one used the 3D effects chip as well, like Doom did. Oh. I don't believe No, 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 I think you're right. Yeah, no, because that would have cost more money. And Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, that, that means... How many levels did they cram onto the cart? Because that was the other thing about Doom. It, was, it wasn't very, you know, expensive um, compared to you know some of the versions. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. It had, um, I think it had like three episodes. I think that's okay. what it was. Um, but the, the main thing is, obviously, this is back in the day where you had to receive a Nintendo seal of approval. Yeah, uh, yeah. When, when supposedly that meant something. Yeah. Um, but this meant that Nintendo <laughs> themselves had to check out your content in the game. And uh, this wasn't the first time. Where the, no, this was the first time, but it, it wasn't, the, wasn't the last time that id Software would come to blows with Nintendo about content that's in their game. Yeah. So, first of all, Hitler. Hitler's Hitler's in Wolfenstein. Yeah. Uh, um, he features in a big way. Um, in the uh, Western version, he was renamed to the Stadtmeister and doesn't have his <laughs> Nazi armbands. My favourite thing about this was that in the Japanese version, they changed his name to Adolf Troutman. <laughs> yes, um, after, yeah. the, uh, after the Manchester City <laughs> keeper Burt, probably. I don't know. Um, obviously, all the Nazi symbolism, all the swastikas, all gone. Uh, all the eagles are gone. And uh, whenever there's a mention of Nazi Germany, they call it the Master State, which is somehow worse. <laughs> um, the enemies do speak. They speak English. Yeah. Uh, there's no blood. There's no blood. Obviously, it's a SNES game. It's been Mortal Kombat, uh, which is a bit annoying. Um, they changed the word ammo to shot, which I didn't even <laughs> notice at the time. That's weird. Um, and uh, even like weird things, like uh, they changed the dogs to rats. 
and um, no. yeah yeah it's, um, <laughs> it's this sounds so bad it's, it's so random it, though how yeah. this the order in which this works oh, right and, so um, they changed the death animation of hitler as well because in the um in the full one uh the last boss it explodes spectacularly like the yeah, cyber demon from doom he just fucking falls over <laughs> right so how where's the logic okay so the original the game we know the capcom arcade and nes game we know as bionic commando in japan was called Hitler no Fukatsu, which means Hitler's revival. Yep. And that and that got completely sanitized for the Western market. And obviously they also had this Golgo 13 game in which you kill Cyber Hitler at the end. Famously, Castlevania had crucifixes in which got turned upside down you know, for the Western. But in this case, it was like, ah, but when the Westerners have made this offensive game, we're going to change. We're going to sanitize. It's so weird. I just don't understand the logic. Um, yeah, very, very odd. Um yeah, it had all the bosses in. Um, they just um, changed changed Hitler up a little bit, but um, yeah, did the bosses not fire the rocket launcher. Uh, it was you know. it was exactly the same. It was just um, like the bosses were the same dudes. Like you had Death Knight and stuff, and the Doctor, but um, it was just yeah, Hitler. They changed him to be. It was still Robot Hitler, but he just, yeah, it, it, it was it was more like Robot Generic Nazi. Mm. Rather, than, mm. um, rather than oh my, was oh his moustache on the bottom of his lip now? Maybe yeah, <laughs> I can't remember that. <laughs> Goatee. But, but um, yeah, it, I, I just remember playing it and just being like, oh no! Like it, it was another reminder that all my friends who did have a PC and were looking mm. you know, had Doom Two, I think, by this point, and were gloating that I would never be able to play it on my pitiful snares. It was just a reminder that oh, they might be right. Like there, yeah. is, there is a clear deficit in power here. In, in but the in, SNES was two hundred quid, and back then a decent PC was twelve hundred quid or something. Absolutely, so, you yeah. know. I mean, and, 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 and Mario World. That's so. exactly as I yeah. say. And, and, okay. and I had Street Fighter too, so that ulti- yeah. ultimately, I've I won <laughs> yeah. that argument every time. And now we can play a perfect version for three pounds or less. You know, so yeah. you know, it just took a I while. St- yeah. I still find all the all the uh, Nazi symbolism stuff in there really striking. It still has. I don't know. It has power, but yeah, just seeing it there in the game, so just blatant. I, mm. I feel like I haven't played the latest Wolfenstein. Wolfen- it doesn't have as many swastikas. Mm. Uh, there, the banners are there. You know, Hitler's face is there. It's, it kind of looks very strange in game, um, but it's yeah, it's really in your face. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's odd, isn't it? We're actually further away from that now, but I think we're as a culture perhaps more sensitive to it in some mm. ways. Yeah. Sort of re- realizing perhaps slowly realizing <laughs> the horror the the true horror of what went on i don't know but um yeah no it, it it is it is striking isn't it um i think in new order that obviously we've both played in the last few months i guess um all three of us uh i think they've actually kind of they stepped away from overt actual nazi imagery and kind of you went for an aesthetic that kind of apes it without being yeah. directly mm. You know SS uniforms and um, and swastikas and and so on. I think the swastika in the original Castle Wolfenstein, the eighty one game, is reversed, um, or at least yeah. in some of the versions it is, which is which makes it the original um, uh, Tibetan peace sign or whatever that that, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, Hitler it means, took it from. Yeah, it means home or like temple or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But saying that, I know that you know there's like this uh, historic past to it that go that predates what the Nazis were using. That's as right. Well. But like you know, if I, you 
you know, leave work tomorrow and I see a bloody great big banner down the side of the shopping centre yeah. with that with one of those in it, I'm not thinking temple straight away. I'm thinking no. I need to get out of here quick. <laughs> that's that's so. that's what I I'm getting at. It's it's odd to see it so blatantly across the game. Mm. If if I went to the street and drew a swastika anywhere, we had the police <laughs> pull up and say, "Excuse me, sir." Um, and just mm. to see it so blatantly there, yeah, you yeah. you feel like a game design but- has maybe rightfully <laughs> moved on a bit. Uh, yeah, you, you are right, though. It still has a power. I remember, I mean, mm. we'll save this for the other podcast, but I remember, like, the first time you see them in Wolfenstein 2009, and, and you do take a second and go, like, oh, oh that's yeah, it, that's bad. it, isn't it? That's, mm. the, that's the real deal. The, um... But, you know, it, yeah, I mean, so games have taken different, and, and di- you know, depending on the publishers, the region, and everything, that games have taken a different stance with this stuff. But, you know, we were watching Raiders of the Lost Ark and, and stuff in the oh, in yeah. the early 80s with with, mm. with kind of almost comedy Nazis in, in, in that. I mean, they, well, uh, not not uh, dismissing, because, you know, obviously there are some scary stuff in that, but, but basically, you know, one, one American guy, as in... Wolfenstein 3D kicks in all the Nazis <laughs> with with a little help. Speaking of Raiders of the Lost Ark, there, and I think there is a, a kind of connection here. Um, that that film <clears throat> explores the relationship between uh, with Hitler's supposed fascination with the occult and yeah. the supernatural. Now, the first Wolfenstein 3D, the, the classic, the original three missions um, don't really go into that, do they? They're, no. they're, we see that more in future. Uh, future Wolfenstein there's, outings. There's there's a bit of it, obviously, in terms of like uh, the robot Hitler and some of like the ru- <laughs> yeah. some of the runic stuff that's occasionally scattered around. But um, the actual yeah. uh, overall plot, if you indeed follow it or even pay attention, um, is basically you are B.J. Blazkowicz, spy. Um, the, fact, the fact that he's a spy and not a soldier in the original one does sort of hint that maybe they were planning to be a bit more like the does, original game. But um. Yeah, you are Blaskovitz, and you are imprisoned in the belly of Castle Wolfenstein. Get out at any costs. That that's that's the plot. That's the setup. But yeah, um, yeah the uh, the the next three chapters mm. tend to turn but, it on a bit more. And obviously, yeah. Spear of Destiny itself is is yeah, that that that's obviously a little, you know, blatant. But um, <laughs> but um, yeah. So with um with these uh, three extra chapters they come as part of the um the 360 release and pr- presumably plenty of the other more recent releases um annoyingly you don't get spear of destiny with that which i think you know wouldn't really be a much of a big deal to have also crammed in those those extra issues but because of the way that the original wolfenstein 3d ends its third chapter um everything after that has to be a prequel <laughs> because um because you kill hitler so um you get these three extra missions um on yeah on the 360 version and they are yeah kind of bigger more tougher but yeah you've got more i mean the enemies are still the same aren't they i don't think there's yeah, any like are. zombie enemies or or um you know in a, or, yeah i think that um some of these levels are in uh the snes one and in the japanese one they actually did turn them into zombies Okay. That's how they got. That's how they got around yeah. it. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, maybe if they went really far with it. I, yeah. I do like that they did a bit of a. They did a Star Wars with the ordering here. That chapters. Yes. Yeah, the latter chapters are actually one, two, and three. Um, I got really confused because I assumed when I first read about Spear of Destiny, which I I saw was separ- a separate purchase on Steam uh, for um, three quid, and it was three. Uh, prequel chapters. I assumed it was the same ones as the prequel missions that were in the other version, uh, but they're not. No, they're completely they're not, different. Yeah. 
There are a lot of levels. And when you buy, let's move on to Spear of Destiny. The last thing with um, the, the prequel missions, I mean, they they get complex with the map design. Really? Once yeah. again, if, if you're looking at the maps um, from a top-down perspective, um, they they are some of those those last ones, I would say, probably three times as big yeah, as anything you're going to play in the, the original three chapter or three yeah. levels. Um, to the point of there's some maze stuff in that, that looking down that you're going... I'm going, well done to you, Leon. You you went through that stuff without even following that stuff. But there there was some times there I was most going, of it. If if you did not know where you were going here, there there's some difficult paths to actually yeah, work your way they, through. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, some... there's there's some proper actual maze type maze yes, yeah. where you can you can even with a map. I found myself getting sight, you know, turned around a couple of times, thinking, where am I? Um, only the fact that you come across a treasure and go, okay, well that's where that's yeah. there on the map. Um, so that's probably where you ended up having to use a video guide on occasions, just yeah. really getting lost in that stuff. But yeah. I'm trying to put myself back as somebody who would be playing the game then. And, you know, if if I didn't have anything else to play, I think I would have been fascinated by the amount of time it required to, to actually find out all the secrets, mm. you know, work your way through that stuff, design your own. I, th- this would have been the kind of game I would have been sitting down and actually with pen and paper and going, yep, I'm gonna do, you know, draw a layout and actually maybe do a speed run of this stuff and and know where all the treasures are. And yeah. you'd you'd probably talk with your your buddies at school and go, yeah, yeah, you know, did you did you find the secret room over there? It really has that feel of yeah, the secrets are there and there's tons of them to find. And if you're just randomly, you'd have to go around every single wall pressing whatever button the key would have been back then, yeah. and just hoping that something would open up. And somebody clearly did that, no doubt. Mazes um, uh, and no signposting were such a key part of video yeah. gaming back then and and previously. And um, and nowadays, it, it yeah, just in in most cases, it just wouldn't pass muster because people would, and you know, myself included. Even though I grew up with those games, you just think I could just play something that tells me where to go next. But the the thing this does a lot which we haven't talked about there's there's nine times out of ten there's two keys within the level yeah keys of course um, yes. there's a gold key and a silver key I think isn't it uh, sort um, of bronze or yeah bronzy but um, you, quite often you'll find yourself not being able to access a door you'd have to go back and you come across a key it could be one of the keys that you need to pro- progress through that door it may not be You'd and so this is why eventually I, I came I was like I just need a map to, to work out where I am because I'm getting turned around too many times here um but I'd imagine, yeah, one, you'd playing it for a few hours and just really going, okay, well, I know where that key goes now. Um, would have been fascinating. Mm-hmm. Later the same year, it was uh, Spear of Destiny. Interestingly, originally it was released as Spear of Destiny. Um, and on the title screen, it just says Spear of Destiny. But as soon as you start playing, um, I mean, everything is the same. It is Wolfenstein yeah. 3D. Um, and it's now often known with, with that prefix. Um even more levels and when you buy the steam version now you get three kind of packs um that you select from the from the loading screen of steam um including uh return to danger is episode two <laughs> and the ultimate challenge episode three and i think i believe i haven't got through all of these yet because there's there's hundreds there's hundreds of these levels yeah. um they get bigger and harder and as you go on because you know this is a game that people were playing obsessively and they were beating and they were saying give us more give us give us more difficulty give us give us bigger areas and and so they did and yeah i think for three pounds on steam you get is several hundred levels i believe yeah that's crazy yeah um there's some there's one or two new features in spear of destiny 
yeah. possibly. It, they, there was a lot. It, it had a few like new textures and stuff like that. Yes, and yeah. um, it, it was despite appearing to be just a map pack, they did tweak the engine. It, yeah, it, it is an improved version of the engine, which might be why it never appeared on uh, home consoles. Because yeah. like it is, I mean, it, it wouldn't have taken much work. I understand that, but mm. it, it, there is a bit more to it than just dropping the levels into Wolfenstein. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's some new things like um, you can now pick up ammo crates. Um, yeah, and I, I think the yeah the fact that there are some new and different textures is the most striking thing because you've got you've got so used to the uh, the the small handful of wall textures. Um, but yes, I confess I haven't quite got to the end of Spear of Destiny yet. Um, I believe the original episode is it's well it's one episode of nineteen floors rather than. Uh, nine at a time, three of nine. So, um, yeah, some of the, some of them are a lot easier than others, but, um, it, it is now starting to, as you can imagine, uh, this game, we haven't really explained. There are sort of what, like five, six different standard enemy types. Yeah. There's blue ones and white ones and, and standard soldiers and, uh, moving up the ranks, they get, <clears throat> they kill you a lot quicker. And the ones that, um, the white ones, uh, white, suited ones that just leap out they are they're often they're fast, aren't they? they're fast and they're often um secluded off to the sort of the left and right of where you're going in they'll have them spring out on you and if if you don't react to their their particular speech sample every enemy has its own speech sample mm. um you will you will die very quickly even if you've got full health how did you find the bosses as well Run away in circle strafe. Yeah, it pretty much it's always um, for me it was stuck in a door knowing exactly where the health was <laughs> Using pretty much the entire clip from the machine, or well, the yeah. uh, Tommy gun at that point, um, um, and then just find you know sapping up all the uh, stuff again. But I, I, I like you know Mecha Hitler is hilarious. They're very silly. They've all got their own speech, haven't they? Yeah, Mecha Hitler though, you know, the final <laughs> boss in the game. It's an all timer. Like it really is because <laughs> you can't. Where do you go after Mecha Hitler? You, you can't, man. I mean, like, it, I mean, what is it? He shouts like. Um, Die, allied Schweinhund, that's you. Yeah. Die, allied pig dog. Yeah. And I think he also says Scheiser periodically as well when you hit him. Scheiser, somebody does. Sound yeah. Yeah. My Lehman. Mein Lehman, my life. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> when you kill him, he does have like one of the best uh, best death screams. I believe he shouts, Ava, I'll the same. That's what, yeah. that's that's exactly <laughs> what he does, yeah. Yeah. It would have only be better if he'd, um, if it had been his dog, Blondie, that he'd... Uh... <laughs> The soundtrack is pretty mundane to the game. It just kind of. I well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up for the soundtrack here. Um, <laughs> I actually <laughs> I, I actually quite like some of the tunes. Um, and worth crediting Robert Prince, also known as Bobby Prince. Um, apparently served in Vietnam. I don't know if that's true. Um, also did some stuff on on the uh, first two Doom games <clears throat> and uh, and Duke Nukem's. Um, but yeah, I quite like some of it. But I think that might be. I like the sound to this game overall because it's it's funny and it's cheesy with the speech samples and everything. And obviously the guns don't sound as, as good as they maybe once did. But the sound has a quality and, and I don't know the technical reason for this, but it sounds like it's on a Mega Drive. The the, the, the sound is... Hmm. I, 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 don't know, I don't know what that is, but it has the same sort of... That particular... Is it a sharp yeah, FM no, I, chip? I know what you mean, yeah. It's, um, I mean, it must, it must use like similar MIDI switch. Like yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, but I like that about it. And there's a few of the tunes which I was actually kind of, dun, 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 you know, kind of nodding along to. Some of them are a bit prosaic and and a bit, but um, yeah, I quite enjoyed some of it. But, I, I um, think I guess it's I, more just like with Doom, you know, it has 
that music um, when mm. you're running around shooting. And Wolfenstein doesn't really have any sort of like, there's no Wolfenstein theme that you're like, oh yeah, of course, yeah. this is the one. Yeah. You see, I was the, the, the. This is a conversation for another podcast in the far future. But uh, I, I never liked the Doom music because I played the. Um, and I know that's sacrilege, but I played the PlayStation version first, where Williams uh, added yeah. all those amazing soundscapes, yeah, which I did. thought was stunning. Yeah, no, they did, and yeah. Um, yeah, they. But then they also added uh, Club Doom as well, right at the end. They did, which is the most ludicrous piece of music that's ever been written. <laughs> yeah, we should put that on a future sound of play. Yeah, that would be good. Um, right then. Yes, so uh, as we said, um, these games were old and I did not expect uh, a vast amount of correspondence on those uh, those first two games. And indeed we didn't get any. And in fact we didn't get much on the more recent games, but um, we had a couple of posts. So let's start with uh, Mr. Flavio, Glenn Watts, who said, I remember very clearly the first time I played Wolfenstein 3D. I was 15 years old and taking part in my first week of work experience from school. For those outside the UK, this is where they put teenagers into a real work environment for a week, ostensibly to show them a bit of how the world works, but really it's to try and terrify them into staying in school rather than leave early. The company I'd been placed with was an IT training firm. Their day-to-day work involved running courses on how to use Windows 3.1, Excel, Word, etc., At one point I remember installing Windows on a new machine from a mountain of floppy disks, this being way before the days of CD-ROM. Anyway, I got chatting with one of the younger guys working there and discovered a mutual love of video games. He said he had something cool on his work machine that I should have a go on at lunch. That would be Wolfenstein 3D. I'd never seen anything like it before. I owned a Commodore 64 at this point, and I was instantly hooked. I've never actually played it to any great extent, though. By the time I owned an actual PC, we were well into Quake 3 territory. Thanks, Glenn, who uh, posted at uh, canerince.com slash forum. And we have another post here from uh, recent guest Music Monday contributor, Catatonic Nali, who says, I first played Wolfenstein 3D on the Xbox 360 earlier this year. Despite having spent a lot of the 90s playing the landslide of these new FPS games, I somehow skipped past the game that kicked it all off. That was probably because Doom had been released, and to be brutally honest, although not at all disparaging, Wolfenstein 3D feels like an early concept for Doom. After all, Doom came along a mere 18 months later, and the improvements are frankly astounding. But I'll save that line of thought for the inevitable Doom shows. I was rather surprised to find that Wolfenstein 3D holds up amazingly well 22 years after its initial release, and I think this is due to its simplicity. Sure, there are only a handful of enemy types and four different weapons, but by not having all the bells and whistles of more modern FPS games, it leaves fewer aspects to go sour with age. It achieves exactly what it sets out to do. Let you massacre your way through half of the Third Reich feeling like an absolute badass. My only real gripes about the game are that the music is fairly dull, although that can be rectified by someone playing Hotline Miami on the couch next to you, and the fact that there is no in-game compass or map. No wonder the bloody Nazi soldiers are just jogging on the spot until you turn up. Bastards would get lost if they moved around. This is incredibly frustrating at the best of times, even more so during episode 6, where each floor is about four times bigger than any from the previous five episodes. I would hardly recommend playing Wolfenstein 3D, and if any of the issues or shortcomings with the game bother you, go play Doom instead, because it addresses pretty much all of them. All in all, it's an excellent keystone for the FPS genre, and was the start of something great. We also have a handful of three-word reviews, which I believe pretty much all relate, understandably, to Wolfenstein 3D. Uh, So yeah, Alan Smith says, 
in the beginning. Johan Malmgren says, awesome enemy sound clips. A bit of Ritz, my childhood epitomised. Beautiful. Uh, we'll let Mike have two because um, the first one's funny and the second one's worth mentioning. All right. Well, his first one, Michael Ledwood says, abused company computer. And as I'm sure many people did. Now, this second one, uh, he's, it's it's the shortest three-word review we've ever had. It's a three-letter review. Uh, it's simply ILM. Um, and I didn't, uh, I haven't been using this on Spear of Destiny. I don't know if there's a way of inputting this into the Xbox 360 version or the cons- any of the console versions. So this is the infamous um, kind of pre, obviously Doom has some of the most famous codes, but this is the, the, the Wolfenstein version. It gives you stuff, um, health keys, ammo, life, I guess. Um, you just hold down those keys. I'm going to try it. Who cares? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds handy. Yeah. Um, Fox Shandy, uh, my first FPS. And I felt that would probably echo yeah, the echo the feelings of many. His first FPS and and and, and many people's first FPS. Let's summarise then. Um, would we actually recommend that people play any of these four games we've <laughs> discovered? Um, uh, that we've covered. Sorry. And um, yeah, what what are our closing thoughts, Tony? Um, I'll let you talk more about the first ones. I think you probably spent a bit more time, but um, I I found that an interesting history lesson. Um, Wolfenstein 3D. I'm I was very surprised at how well it it it's hold held up, and it's been heralded as this big first, you know, the first person shooter. It's not. We've covered that, but um, it's it's smooth. It's fast. I I can only go by the the Xbox 360 version. You know your your mileage may change, you know, may vary upon where you play it. But I could say now the the three sixty version is smooth, it's fast, it's a it's a history lesson. Um, more importantly, it's really actually quite fun to play. I've been playing lots of you know the big end of year first person shooter games have, have come out or third person games, <clears throat> and to actually to go back to something as simplistic as this kind of makes you realize actually how far we have come in this industry but at the same time at the very core how great some of the you know the very early mechanics of first person shooters you know they they form the the foundation and a lot of stuff hasn't hasn't you know has built upon it for sure but you know a lot of the foundation stuff has hasn't changed a great deal um so i just yeah i i found it a really entertaining fun game to play i think you know it's what Four, five, four or five hours, depending if you're going to run. I guess maybe a bit more. Um, um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed my time with it. Really glad I went back um, and put the time in required to to see it to the you know complete completion. So uh, it gets a thumbs up for me. Cool. Yeah, this is why I love you guys and guys like you guys. Um, proper, you know, true video game enthusiasts. Um, but in the in the virtual green room before the podcast, uh, Tony and Andy were both. Uh, waxing lyrical about the visuals of the brand new, uh, you know, current gen PS4, Xbox One, Call of Duty, uh, Advanced Warfare game, um, which I don't have, but uh, Tony and Andy were telling me about how amazing the graphics is, uh, are and whatever. But they both still come on here and spent two hours enthusing about a game which, you know, which probably Call of Duty Advanced Warfare wouldn't exist but for. But still, you know, we, we can still have this, in, you know, sensible conversation about about this really quite ancient game by video game standards and and still have a lot of a lot of um enthusiasm about it and uh 
Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Going back to Castle Wolfenstein and beyond Castle Wolfenstein, um, completely agree. Uh, fascinating, eye-opening. Um, yeah, even for me as somebody who kind of walks around with a head full of video game history um, instead of a instead of a brain or a responsible human being. Um, yeah, there, there, there's some elements to those games which are, are really surprising just how, how even if as Andy suggests, maybe they weren't directly influential for, but they were there well ahead of games like Metal Gear, you know, which which when we talked about that on the podcast a few years back, that seemed like it was inordinately sophisticated for 1987. Well, this game got there six years before that. <laughs> and by the way, six years in 80s video game time is about the equivalent of 400 years normal time because like the, seven generations <laughs> it, the, 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 it was moving so fast then you, you can't understand now just just no, how no. much things were leaping forward all the time it, it was an extraordinary time um, but I don't recommend playing those games now I, I found them a, a chore to actually interact with but I was fascinated enough to watch people play them both all the way through more than once um, because there is so much going on stuff that you would think oh you know such these are these these games these first two games these 8-bit games are full of the kind of features that developers publishers will still put on the box that PR people will say yeah guess what you can do in this game you know you could this this is this is an experience like no other you've ever had and actually this game was doing them 33 years ago 1981 yeah yeah, um, and that that is impressive in itself, and it, it's interesting to see games that whether whether directly responsible or not that the legacy of those games is extraordinary. And of course, part of that legacy is Wolfenstein 3D, which ha- also has its own separate legacy, which is uh, previous attempts at, at making first-person action games. You know, there are um, you know these early mainframe death maze games and things like this, and famously 3D monster maze and stuff. But this was obviously as we said like the key text in bringing first person shooters out of something that would you know like a, a theoretically interesting idea but something that ran at far too slow a pace um it harnessed the power of of high end pcs that were that were at the time and made this game that that still remains fun to play because it because it's fast and smooth and has multiple facets of of gameplay that even though it's very simple in a lot of ways, the combination of the maze-based gameplay and that balance of puzzles and secrets and time and speed running and score attacking and going for bonuses, mm. combined with the um, you know the comedy of of the scenario and and the and the funny bosses and that and yeah, I'd really you know I enjoyed it. I played however many yeah so like. Six nines, fifty, sixty levels. Fifty, yeah, it's pretty much sixty levels. Sixty levels, including the secrets, if you find the secrets. And I've gone straight on to Spear of Destiny, and I'm about halfway through that as well. I probably won't get through those extra level packs, the hundreds and hundreds of levels, if I'm honest. But that's still many more fun hours than I've had with some more recent games. So, um, yeah, if you can pick up Wolfenstein for three quid on console or computer, why not? You might, you might just enjoy it. It's, it's what I got from that is it's complex simplicity. It's it's one of those yeah. really weird ones. It's like yeah, it's so simple, but there's there's a whole layer of yeah. The way it just interacts is is actually quite complex, even though what we're doing is really simplistic, mm. comparatively even to you know Castle Wolfenstein. Definitely. 
And let's conclude with our guest, Andy. You left me with a tough one because you've said everything I need to say. Sorry. Uh, it's all right. I'll try anyway. So, yeah, the first two Wolfenstein games, there really is nothing else I need to say. I think that you guys have summed them up quite well. Is like actually playing them in 2014 is a bit of a push. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think that, like, I mean, especially I hope this podcast informs more people about it. Um, you know, I think that like they should. That I think there's a real talking point to be had with these games, and I think that you know maybe the discussion isn't when we're talking about first-person shooters, but um, you know, I think that like they they are actually probably way more, maybe just as important as a game like Wolfenstein was to first-person shooters than mm. they are to the stealth genre. Um, and it's sort of a shame that you know pr- previous to me finding out about them, they just didn't exist. They were they were names. But now I've found out how they work and the mechanics. Well, now stuff. it's added to your knowledge database. You're going to be telling people when they that's, reference something. You go, that's, exactly what about, mate. that's exactly yeah. what I was about to say. Don't, yeah. don't go back and play them. But just next time someone's talking about Splinter Cell or something like that, just go, uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> do be one of those annoying people yeah. like Castle I am. Yeah. Do that for us. You know? Do that for me, if not for all of us. And, um, <laughs> you know, I think that, you know, that's really all you can ask. But, yeah, it's definitely, you know, if you're really into your games and you, you know, you consider yourself a bit of a game historian and you're knowledgeable about these things, I think this is an important one to look at. Even if you're watching someone else play it through on YouTube, it's worth it. Find out about the mechanics and sort of add it to your arsenal of discussion bits. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Be a smug, a smug git. Yeah, me. That's exactly what I've done. Um, regarding Wolfenstein 3D, that I mean, Wolf 3D sort of has a special place in my heart as a as a big fan of everything that its software did. But Wolfenstein 3D was kind of the the second game to really blow my mind. So the first one was Mario uh, Super Mario Brothers. Playing it at sub five years old at a friend's house, <laughs> didn't have a game system of my own, and just suddenly going, "Oh my god, yeah, video you, games yeah. are a thing!" And then ending up with a C64 maybe a year later. But um, you know, I sort of said that you know I, I went from C64 and a friend's NES to the SNES, and I think Wolfenstein squeezed in just towards the tail end of that, and it absolutely, it absolutely blew my mind in in a way that no game on the C64 did. I was playing Dizzy, I was enjoying it, I was watching my friends play, you know, all sorts of NES games like Legend of Zelda and like even stuff that was a little bit more impressive, like Elite, mm. which sort of hinted at 3D. Um, and seeing some of the early SNES stuff, you know, it was cool to have an arcade machine or what, you know, what I thought was an arcade machine in my yeah. house. But Wolfenstein yeah. felt like the future. It felt like, it, I mean, we all know how ridiculous this is going to seem now, but it looked real. <laughs> you know, when you shot someone, <laughs> yeah. blood came out of them and they died yeah. and they fell backwards and it was from your own eyes and stuff. I mean, that, it really was something that was quite impressive. And, um, this was actually a feeling that, um, came back again when I saw Doom and again when I saw Quake for the first time that um and it's something that I feel is a bit of a shame that id software a bit of something that they've lost in recent years is when a new id software game came out it used to be like well this is the next thing is this is the next level of what graphics are doing now yeah mm. you know whenever they I mean Wolfenstein New Order is a very good looking game but everything looks good now but when Wolfenstein yeah. came out, it was just like, oh my god, this, oh, this is <laughs> this is something revelation, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I just remember seeing it absolutely blow my mind. And then um, when I actually finally got a go on it, it you know, the slickness of the pl- the way it played, the um, you know, obviously running around shooting Nazis in a maze is going to entertain you when you're far too young to be doing such a thing. Um, but I think even in 2014, it, it it does stand up, and just like you said, it's um. It's this simplicity. Um, your your weapon 
is a basic gun that shoots to a better gun that shoots faster. And that's that's the rule there. You know, as you proceed, you get a weapon that basically does the same job better. And the enemies are... There's not a massive amount of variety. It is just like, this enemy's faster and hits harder. So the problem solving is quite simple, but all of that combined with, you know, obviously being lost in a maze, the combinations of enemies, the situations that unfold with your own ammo crises, if you ever have one, and, you know, health problems and stuff like that, as well as, um, you know, if you are trying to beat the times and stuff, it's, it, it, it is quite simple, you know, there's, there's no, it's not like a quake where you're lo- always looking for like these crazy secrets and you can bounce grenades around corners and stuff like that. It's a very simple set of rules that they've stretched out for an entire game that, that just, they are fun. Like the, the core gameplay, that run into a room, dodge the enemy's attacks, shoot back with what you've got, try and beat a time, try and beat a score. It, it, it works and it's just as fun today as it is, as it was when it came out. Um, and I think that, Wolfenstein as a series I mean we all knew that Wolfenstein 3D is an incredibly important game but I think that you know this podcast is sort of showing that Wolfenstein's groundings from the C64 upwards um, the Wolfenstein name I mean it's kind of feels a bit secondary to Doom because I remember back in the day everyone called it any game of a gun a Doom clone and there was this kind of snobbish like well, it should be a Wolfenstein clone, really, shouldn't it? And well, I've, I've even seen that a few times yeah, now. We're yeah, talking exactly. about Wolfenstein. But, people going, but I, well, you're not doing Doom. But I, f- <laughs> I, feel, I feel like, you know, after this podcast and seeing some of the, you know, the original games as well as Wolfenstein 3D, it is like, no. It, I mean, it, when the new Wolfenstein game comes out, it should be a big deal. Mm. I mean, like, the new orders kind of captured that back a little bit, but that's for another podcast. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I do really feel that like this, that they are. A, a very important series of games, and um, I, I think that um, 3D is certainly worth playing to this day. Absolutely, w- wicked, beautifully said. Um, we'll be back with more Wolfenstein in a couple of months. We've decided to leave a couple of months between the Wolfenstein shows because we're doing the Silent Hill ones monthly. So uh, hopefully, um, we'll be back together for the uh, 2000 and. Three game return to Castle Wolfenstein. Is that right? So same same era as uh, Allied Assault. Hopefully, uh, we will feel it's uh, it's held up a little better. Um, but until the next issue, uh, it just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Tony and Andy once again. Uh, Johnny Wolfenstein, where can we find you on the internet? Um, you can find me personally at Andy Hero. That's A N D I H E R O on twitter if you want to talk about any games with guns and pro wrestling um but you can or both or both you know <laughs> they don't mix well guns and pro wrestling but um mm. yeah but um you can also uh, find me at midnightresistance.co.uk alongside my fellow uh, slightly overweight cohorts um where we talk about video games and uh, we do a podcast which is nowhere near as regular as you guys um and if you l- like what I say on this podcast, I think I'm coming back for the rest of the Wolfenstein one. So yes, please. So tune into those as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we need you, Johnny Wolfenstein. Thanks for joining us. No um, next time in issue one five two, it's more Keichiro Toyama and his twisty turny Vita adventure, Gravity Rush. Until then.